a Podcast One production. What if you could start your very own country? Issue passports, collect taxes, even become a king, prince or a queen? If you think of a globe, there's a bunch of lines on the map designating nation states. Generally, they don't move much without a war or a treaty, but some reflect a moment back in history when someone put a flag in the dirt and said, this is my country. Today, we're going to meet a bunch of people who did exactly that as we explore some of the world's weirdest micronations. Cat's pyjamas or cat's piss with the chaser. In the room today, we have Charles Firth, Chris Taylor and Andrew Hansen. My name is Dom Knight. And let's start with Australia's and probably the world's most famous micronation, the Principality of Hutt River. And just before we start talking about the details, I want to give a sense of occasion by playing for you some of the national anthem, which according to the Hutt River website was written by Sir Keith Kerwin. Recorded by John English. I was going to say it had a touch of the John English about it. Yeah, it's the sort of permanent laryngitis. And was this post altogether now or pre altogether now? When did he start taking up <laughs> doing <laughs> hut mountain? I don't know. Anthem. When was he most broke in his career? But um, in order to actually use this music in the show, we have to subject it to criticism or review. So before we even get into it, what do you think of the anthem, Cats Pajamas or Cats Piss? I think if you were commissioning a national anthem, you want a power ballad. I think. I think it was the right. It was the right choice of you know, it, like mm. it's better than the Australian national anthem. But yeah, far, I agree. Yeah, cats, cats pajamas way way better than than the current national. I I want that now as mm. our national anthem. I want Australians at the Olympics Ma- to stand Ma- up and go Hot River. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should invade Hot River and. Just for their national anthem. We'll get onto that. And, Andrew, you've got to do it a bit croaky. Hot River Province. Like, just Could, really get their laryngitis. Uh, I don't mind the invade idea. I mean, it's mm. it's quite a lot of effort just to get a song. Mm. But <laughs> could we not just commission John English? Or is he dead now? I think he's dead. No, no. Yeah. You can, or whoever, no, no, whoever you was can, there at the time. You can actually get musicians to do sound-alikes. There's a thing in, yeah, right. in uh, film and theatre called sound-alikes mm. where you get the musician down and... And they do something that sounds almost but not exactly the same. I think that's what we should do. For Was it the tune anthem. that you wanted to steal mainly or the or the sentiment that Hut River is an amazing place? <laughs> yeah, I think, mm. I think it's uh, the, right. the sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. Would you do the sound alike with that or maybe something more like Agadoo could be great for Australia? <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the what's now known as the Principality of Hut River, not a province anymore. It's in Western Australia, isn't it? It is. Founded in 1970 by Prince Leonard George Cassley mm. as a protest against government quotas on... Wheat farmers at 75 square kilometres north of Perth got lovely wildflowers, I suppose, and they issue coins and passports. And since 2004, company registration. So this was a huge fight that he had with the government over wheat quotas and um, he sued them for all kinds of money and in the end seceded from Australia. And have you ever had moments where you felt like just pulling the pin on being part of Australia? Cats, oh, or cats piss. Yeah, look, every time I have to fill out my bass... I want to secede from Australia. And uh, absolutely, cat's pyjamas are for to him. 
Well, I think mentally most of us have seceded from Australia, just with the, the, the disrepair of our political system or the constant revolving door of prime ministers, the, the ever-lasting spills that we seem to enjoy. They've I, had I a think, lot of stability in the yeah, Hutt River Well, this is the thing. Most of us opted out of Australia emotionally years ago, but and we, that's why we're drawn to the relative stability of a place like Hutt River. Well, I think actually, if you look at it legally, we've all been excluded from Australia's migration zone. So we've, we've all been, been seceded. Oh, right. Was, I I think John Howard mm-hmm. um, excised Australia from Australia's migration Yeah, zone. wasn't it just his sort of little shed at Kirribilli House that was Australia for part of migration purposes? Yeah, yeah. Is it that Hutt River seceded from Australia or would they view it more that Australia seceded from Hutt River? Like, do they regard themselves as the real Australia and the rest of us are this weird fringe micronation? Well, no, they, they view themselves as foreign citizens. So they do actually right. play, uh, they do actually mm. pay, I think, local rates but they view that as foreign aid. And they get out of paying really? actual tax? Well, this is the thing that it's hard to find the truth about because they've had a lot of legal battles um, <laughs> against the ATO over the years. Um, originally, Castley sued the Governor of Western Australia for $52 million to try and get the quota revised. And, look, I suspect that, if truth be told, they have actually paid their taxes over the years. I, can't, I cannot imagine. Like, if the ATO was going to start letting people off, you know, Paul Hogan would have seceded the whole of Byron Bay years ago, I would have thought. But, yeah, so it seems as though they might have paid them, but they certainly claim that they don't have to and, and they are a separate nation. And do they have to vote in Australian elections or do they have a right not to? Well, he is a foreign monarch. I, I actually don't know. I suspect, <laughs> I suspect he cops the fine. They just happily cop the fine. So it is a royal news. Do, do they go? Do they go on overseas holidays to Australia? To like, Australia. like do, they, do they sort of? Yeah, it's time. But I want to broaden my horizons, see the world. I'm going to go to Perth. Well, they, they absolutely they issue passports. They've issued, right. um, I think, tens and tens of thousands of passports. And at one point, the EU actually put out a memorandum saying, "Hey, Hutt River passports, you can't accept them in the EU because they're and this and I quote fantasy passports." But would you get one anyway? <laughs> I'd love well, to. I've always wanted to be a dual passport person. You know, I'm jealous of those people who have two passports. I'd, although you, want, you obviously you couldn't be a member of parliament if you were a dual oh, citizen that's of true, actually. River and Australia. You'd be in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> or, or would they? Would, would, I'd love it to go to the High Court. Imagine if that mm. was your dual citizenship. <laughs> they probably could, just to see someone. <laughs> Like a really intelligent bench at the High Court have to rule on whether your citizenship at Hutt River was legit or not. It's probably, wouldn't that be fascinating? It's probably the one one that they wouldn't throw out. Yeah. But it's also controversial because at one point the Queen wrote and expressed her good wishes to the Hutt River Principality. Uh, uh, I'm to convey your Her Majesty's good wishes to you all. And, uh, you know, happy 46th anniversary of the Principality. And uh, th- this is because Prince Leonard wrote to the Queen congratulating her mm. on her uh, 90th birthday. But this is what oh. I don't get about micronations. So w- why why are they just dismissed and not taken seriously? Because other people who start nations, you know, like, what's an mm. example? Like, Hungary. Oh, the, the Grimaldi's in, in Ramada, <laughs> like, in, yeah, in Monaco, a great that, example. You know, like Bosnia-Herzegovina or, you know, Czechoslovakia and, well, now Czech Republic. And when, when new nations form, we kind of treat them seriously. <laughs> like the yeah. EU acknowledges their passports to be legit. Just because this prince decided to start his own principality, why, who, who was to say it wasn't legit? I actually have studied this because I've loved micronations for a very long time. And it seems that it's one of those things where it only matters about recognition. So you can, it has all the trappings of a real, but, and some of them go very far with this, including Hutt River. We'll get to some pissy ones a bit later on in the podcast. But these guys have taken it very seriously for decades and issued stamps, coins, passports. So quite expensive to do that. 
Um, and it's simply a question of whether you're recognised as much. So if you, if you start um, South Sudan or whatever, or some one of these new countries, then yes, if you get recognised by the countries, if they've got diplomatic relations, if the UN says yes, then you're a country. So what did Hutt River do wrong to not get recognised? Be pissy, I think. Was right. The, but no, oh. the coins quite, weren't good enough. There are some, there are some, <laughs> there's some parts of the planet. There's one, I think it's called Transdenista, um, that's in Eastern Europe. And the, I read a great story from someone who'd wandered into that place once. And it's like a weird throwback to, to the USSR. It's still really communist. And the, right. the neighbouring countries don't recognise it, but they haven't had a war to take the territory back. So... It's actually a real question. There are some places in the world that aren't recognised by the countries. Palestine isn't recognised by, right. by some places. So this is a live debate because in lots people of, think lots of they're places. pissy. This sort of fantasy joke principality mm, got is their own right? coins. Yeah. They've got crazy <laughs> prints running the place. So in political science, this is a real question. But I think by any definition, <laughs> the Hutt River principality is doing it kind of tough. Um, now their official languages, along with English and French, <laughs> French. Esperanto is an oh, official speak, language. Really? It's one of the few places where it still means so anything. It's multilingual. Apparently. How big well, is it? It's only... Totally, 75 square K, so quite large, but it's mm. a wheat farm. And who lives... How, what's the population? Is it just the prince or does he have a royal family? Well, the population, 30 full-time residents and 13,000 <laughs> overseas citizens. 30 full-time and it's got three well, languages. I suppose there's... It's like the Switzerland of Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some provinces in Switzerland that are pretty pissy. But, yeah, it's, in, it's an interesting question. There are the local Aboriginal twi- uh, tribes as well. Yes. But, yeah, I think it's mostly just the farm and the people who work on the farm that are the full-time residents. Is keeping Esperanto alive cat's pyjamas or cat's piss? Well, can I say the answer in Esperanto? If you know. Um, if you know piso it. di felina. <laughs> so you actually know any Esperanto? That's amazing. Yeah, well, I, I, I speak I, fluent. I, yeah, I understood that to be cat's piss, yeah. As a, <laughs> as a, as a Hutt River uh, patriot, I, I do speak Esperanto. No, of course is, I don't speak Esperanto. Esperanto. But, I was making it up. But is Esperanto one of those languages you can just say anything and, and then go, I was speaking Esperanto? Like how many, <laughs> yeah, well, how many people actually speak Esperanto fluently? <laughs> well, I've always had the theory that Esperanto is actually just English but in a... Silly accent. accent. Yeah, yeah, and putting the O is, on the end of every yeah, word. Yeah, capso, piso. Do you remember at, near Sydney, where we all studied, there was this incredibly small, crappy little terrace in Redfern that was the Esperanto Society. Yes, it's still right. there. Because, yeah. of course, the problem with Esperanto is that they tried to have a language that everyone could learn easily if you were from a romance yes. nation, but because no one spoke it natively, it just died. Well, except uh, William O. Shakespeare. He was the master. I loved Hamleto. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always got the feeling, you know, remember Mark Mitchell's character on the comedy company, <laughs> Con the Fruiterer? Mm. He was basically speaking Esperanto. <laughs> he was a sort of broken English where you heard every fourth word. It was usually either beautiful or hey. couple of days. And, but the rest of it was basically Esperanto. So it's very good if you want to do an offensive ethnic comedy character. Yeah, if you're an Esperanto mm, speaker, you must yeah. get people around the world just going, oh, that's a bit racist, isn't it? Yeah. Now, look, one of the big issues for Hutt River is that they accept company registration. So this is quite a serious issue. For because, tax reasons. Yeah, 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 because the whole thing is mm-hmm. a tax lark, obviously. Um, <laughs> the question is, would you like to have a Hutt River a province registered company. Now, the uh, ATO doesn't accept them as valid, but I believe you can use them for other things. There was even a debate about whether you could have Hutt River registered ships around the world. Well, it's a landlocked farm, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> it, uh, how big is it? It's Navy. I don't think it's Navy. Yeah. It's very powerful. <laughs> would, you, would you start a company? Should we move Chase Quarterly to Hutt River? Look, I, I prefer to follow the Malcolm Turnbull um, method on this and go straight to Cayman Islands uh, because 
That way, the ATO does actually recognise it and you still don't pay any tax. This is the sort of bizarre thing I can't get my head around. Like, Hutt River seems to be Mm. this example of something that's on on every front it's just dismissed as a joke, and yet there's an equivalent somewhere in the world, such as the Cayman Islands Mm. of Bermuda, that's not treated as a joke, that we could register our ships in and we'd all be hunky-dory. Yeah. So why why is the Cayman okay but the poor Hutt River Prince? That's why I found this so fascinating. It's all about recognition. Is it because has he got a portrait in every classroom in Hutt River where he's got a big red nose or he's wearing clown? Yeah, the one portrait in the classroom. What is it about? (laughs) I haven't seen photos of the... Does he look unserious? Does he look like a silly candidate? And I think like, it's a bit hard to take seriously. But, no, no, but if it, that is a serious question. If it is a tax lark, why didn't he just set up in the, say, my wheat farm is now located in the Cayman Islands for tax purposes? Well, this is one of the questions I have for you. Should Australia invade and take back Hutt River Principality, Cats Pajamas or Cats Piss? Is it worth our time to send a tank down there? I don't think you're going to put up much resistance. No, 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 no. Cats piss. Um, I, I kind of like the idea that there are these other countries within Australia. Because, you know, you, you look at the map of Europe and I often look at it with envy that there's all these different cultures and different yeah. nationalities and ethnicities in the one continent. You drive over a border, you're speaking Esperanto. Totally. So Australia's <laughs> always been very monocultural. And so I like. I think Hutt River, you know, well, may we laugh at it now, but they're probably pioneers. Mm. If, you know, if the Duttons of this world get their way, there'll be a lot more of this. And I know WA itself wants to secede. That's a good point. At Maybe the moment. Now, Hutt I don't River know. will stay a part of seceding from Australia. Yeah, now is WA talking about seceding from Australia or seceding from Hutt they River? They once voted to, to <laughs> secede and have a country called Westralia. Yeah. Should be a very mm. big micronation. Which is not a terrible idea. No, that would be great. Yeah, tell them to fuck off. But, but I think I think you're right. I, I, and I think it, the way you should do we should have it is we should have the Australian Union. So it should be like we should have I a like whole lot of like micronations. Like I'd like my suburb to see a nation. Yeah. Would you? And and then and then everyone could have their own nation and everything like that. Everyone could speak their own twang. And everything. It'd be so much more cultural. Well, you know, Australia actually is the world capital of micronations. We won't get to it today, oh. but I, when I researched this last, there was someone who'd set one up in his, his apartment in Potts Point. So there's All a right. lot of this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> There's one in an apartment. A couple more questions about Hutt River before we move on. Uh, Prince Leonard abdicated at 91 oh. for his son. When you're that close, so it's now Prince Graham that's the... The, the, the king. Was that Casper's arms or Cat's piss? Should he have just kept going until he died in office? Well, that's the thing to do. I, I mean, I think whenever you abdicate, it sort of it creates a sort of crisis of legitimacy. Yeah, the you, Queen's not doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, so he should have just. I, th- I think that's a bit dodgy. That's definitely Cat's piss for me. Well, cat's pyjamas for me. It's just that, to know that there's someone called Prince Graham out there. Like, <laughs> That's true. When Catherine and Wills are having their children, it's always these names like George and Louis and Arthur that are, that are canvas. Why doesn't Graham and Brian and, you know, yeah, Wayne. I want to see sort of King Wayne. Yeah, no, Australian royalty is something that's very unexplored in this country because, you know, we're so pathetic the way we cling on to the English monarchy and, you know, we really rely on them to get our sort of fairy tale fantasies. Whereas the fact people we forget in our own backyard, 
We've got Prince Graham. Why is it new <laughs> ideas taking him out every day and <laughs> photographing his wife and critiquing her fashion choices? It's a very good point. But can I just ask? So he's the head of the... He's the king. He's, he's the monarch. He's the absolute he's the monarch. King, king but Graham. He, but he calls himself prince no, or king? That's a principality. So he's prince. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, right. So they don't what, want to have tickets on themselves. He's Prince Graham <laughs> the first. Yeah, why doesn't humble. he call himself... Why don't they call it a kingdom? No, he's hum, He's being humble, Charles. He, like he's Monaco. being a nice, humble, low-level low prince. Right. I think that's, that's very... Um, very good of him. Now, look, we've had a good laugh at Hutt River Principality, and fair enough. But when I tell you that they get 40,000 tourists visiting a year, does it actually make it a good idea? Well, is that number real or is that what the Prince's Tourist Department says it is? <laughs> is it actually 40,000 flies? People wanted to check out this weird dot on the map. Yeah, I'd, I'd go. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I think that that's cat's pyjamas. I think that... Um, it, it, so do they have a tourism board? Yeah, the, absolutely they do. Yeah, right. Do, well, do, there's a lot of money in tourism. That's obviously how they afford all the stamps and coins. All right. Now, we talked before about invading a micronation. I'm going to tell you about a micronation where that actually happened. Mm. Um, about seven miles off the coast of Suffolk in England, there is a, an abandoned World War II sea fort, which they built presumably to defend the nation from Hitler. If, if you imagine a platform with four metal legs just sitting out there in the middle of the English Channel. Since 1967, the Bates family has just resided there. Uh, it was called Ruff's Fort. This is the Bates Motel? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They call it the Principality of Sealand. They claim it's a sovereign nation. It's got its own flag, currency and passports. And the amazing thing about it is that when it went to trial in the UK, um, the, the UK court actually said, well, the um, the limit is actually three miles offshore. So we are not classifying this as part of the UK. So these guys have actually managed to pull off the real thing. It currently has a population of four and it is incredibly <laughs> small. It's uh, But a lot of things have happened there. It, it's point. 025 square kilometres, but it's got its own constitution, flag, national anthem and coat of arms. But it's also once had a German invasion. A guy called <laughs> Alexander Achenbach <laughs> got German and Dutch mercenaries to lead the attack. They had speedboats and helicopters while the family were, were off the fort and they actually seized it and and kept the Prince Michael hostage. He eventually managed to get to a weapon stash that he had and managed to capture <laughs> yeah, it back. At a weapon stash in case this day ever occurred. Would you <laughs> actually go... Had, let's arm ourselves just in case the Germans come and try to overthrow this nation of four people. Well, he was in the Sealand Derby Reserve. <laughs> How? I mean, you wouldn't have a fight. If the Germans... There's only four of them. Yeah, only four. Standing on what's basically... A, a tripod in the ocean. Yeah, it's kind of it's about the size of a helipad, as far as but, yeah, but a, a small oil rig. The of. legs are hollow, so there's a bit more space in there. And did they? Okay, so how did? What was the German strategy? Just to cut the legs off so the whole thing <laughs> fell onto the water, or did they actually mount the rig and and have hand to hand combat? It's still there, and uh, and Michael's now the the prince. His his dad died, so it's uh, onto the second generation. I, I don't and, know what happened, but in the end, um, a German diplomat came in and sorted the whole thing out, and. <laughs> Um, this Achenbach guy ended up setting, he set up the Sealand government in exile back in Germany. And and so are they doing it for fishing rights? Is that why they're... Well, this look- is one of the things that's come up. I, I want to ask first whether or not this old fort in the ocean that's completely mm. shitty and fallen to pieces, is it too crap to bother claiming as a micronation? Because you've got to spend time out there. It's pretty boring. Mm. Right, but four people live. I mean, well, 
I, I think I quite like the idea of, of it being a country, you know, that, that people can go to and, and visit. I mean, is there a, a Lonely Planet guide to, to sea land? <laughs> there actually is. That, that's there the rest is. of it. There's a Lonely Planet guide to micronations, which are people who want to know oh, more. Oh, there can, is. Oh, to micronations. Yeah, mm, all right. of them. No, I have seen that in the bookshop. But do, do any of them deserve their own book, like their own special volume just there on its own? Like that, the thinnest, a, a two-page book. There's one that almost does, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But I love this story because... Um, they've really tried to make money, as you were saying, Charles, out of things like fishing rights. They claim the three-mile rights off sea land and uh, they, they've tried all these things. They've, got, they've had 150,000 passports out there. But another thing that they've tried on is being a, an internet service point. So at mm. one point they had a huge number of servers on sea land right. and it was supposed to be this completely secure private thing because no government controls it supposedly. So you could have anything on the server. It was completely free. You could, you know, have criminal stuff, whatever. And they got into a little bit of hassles over that. But uh, they really tried to make money out of uh, this weird tower in, in the middle of the sea. Well, could, I mean, this is a very interesting question, is it? Could you pass a law that murder is legal on that Island, it's absolute platform. monarchy. Of course, you can. Yeah, right. and, then, and then take someone there. And then to take someone there. Them in. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sort of service for if you want to murder someone, you go to this place. You do it legally. That would do the job. <laughs> yeah, well, it, well, you could. Well, it would only be legal in Sealand. Yeah, that's like, true. If the the family of the victims wanted to take action back on the UK, it's it well, short. no, but it didn't happen in the UK. There's no jurisdiction but does the UK recognise the sovereignty of Sealand? Well, they, they kind of don't interfere with it. They haven't tried to claim it back. Oh, so you could murder someone. So they have yeah. somewhat recognised, <laughs> um, not sovereignty, but, but certainly that it's not part of the UK, which is an amazing thing. And, uh, in fact, they've even got a bunch of sporting teams. Um, a Are Sealand, they in the Olympics? A Sealand, not yet. A Sealand athlete once competed in the Kung Fu World Cup. They've got a soccer team <laughs> for huh? Sealand. Should they be allowed to compete at the Olympics and the FIFA World Cup, all these... Different events. Should Sealand be up there um, next to Swaziland? Where, but where are they training? Where's the soccer team training? As I understand, unless I <laughs> totally misunderstood the geography of Sealand, it's this small erection in the middle of the ocean. There's, there's not a soccer pitch on it, isn't it? They might have to train extraterritorially. What are you? Chris, I'm picturing like a small oil rig type. Yeah, scenario. it is. That's Me exactly too. what it is. So there's, there's, there's no, I'll show there's no you a sporting picture. facilities. There are just two giant concrete tubes there and a platform go. on okay. top so you, with some yeah. cranes and things. Where are tra- they training there? I understand if you're just an athlete or a swimmer coming from Sealand, that'd be very apt because there's a lot of water around. You could you could do ocean have, you training could every do day. Scuba, yeah. scuba, what, what polo, knock yourself out. But, but soccer, where are they? I don't no, know. No. Have you got mm. Nintendo Wii? You can do oh, yeah. Wii U sports. That's true. You'd be yeah. fine. You'd, You'd be, be fine. fine. Like you just do it virtually. Yeah, and you get good practice. Like it's still you're still moving around. You use those things that you hold in your hand. I reckon there should be a separate Olympics mm. for all micronations. That'd be great. I don't really but, like the mm. idea of all of them being in the regular ones. Not not because I'm racist <laughs> towards micronations. Ooh, Just because that that parade of nations is already so long. Yeah, like it already <laughs> takes like the whole first week of the Olympics. We don't want to make that any longer. So mm. if, if all the micronations just sort of get the respect to some degree, that they're allowed to have play sport well, they do but in, not with real people. They do it in <laughs> cricket. There's a, there's a shitty Cricket World Cup, the winner of which gets to go to the real Cricket World oh, Cup they, and I, get I destroyed. I don't mind that. The, the, no. Whoever won the, the Olympics. shitty Olympics. Whoever won the Micronation Olympics, yeah. only they are allowed to compete at the real they Olympics. They can. Or what about all at once? You know, they could all just sort of have one team, couldn't they? Like the Lonely Planet Guide. Just oh, yeah. put, put them in. You know, ladies just and gentlemen, Micronations. <laughs> yeah, this, and that'd be great. 
Uh, now, final, <laughs> final question. If you had somehow grabbed this slice of this weird fort, it's really shitty, it's falling to pieces, and someone had bothered to launch an armed invasion and was threatening to shoot you, mm. would you fight back? Cats pyjamas or cats piss? Well, yes. In fact, I would say that's the whole reason to have a micronation is to have your own army. Mm. Like you get to right. you get to, to have a weapon stash. It's totally legal because you said it was fine. Yeah. And then you get to have a war. Like literally that was a war, wasn't yeah, it? It was a war. Yeah. <laughs> the pissiest war in the history of the world. Or if not a war, you challenge them to a game of soccer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no end. You've got very good skills in that department. <laughs> Let's move on to a small piece of land off the coast of Connecticut. Its name is North Dumpling Island. Look at it in the web browser. I'm just showing you these guys a photo. It's a, basically, if you think, it's, it's like a mansion with a shed. There's a, a giant uh, wind turbine, which is part of the point of it. It's kind of got a lighthouse. And there's a replica of Stonehenge on North Dumpling Island. We'll get to that. Um, it is the summer house of Dean Carmen, the guy who invented the Segway. The official vehicle <laughs> oh, of North Dumpling Island well, is the Segway. He's tripping in success. Wow. And uh, <laughs> yeah. look, he calls himself Lord Dumpling. And uh, he even got President... I'd, I'd love to, you know, remember those old balls in, you know, olden times where someone named the people who were entering the party, <laughs> Lord and Lady Dumpling. <laughs> what do you think of that, Cat's Pajamas or Cat's Piece, calling yourself a title like Lord Dumpling? Would you do that? I think it's pretty... If you're going to start your own country, why not... <laughs> Why not give yourself a name like that? It's fantastic. And why not have a combination of a really aristocratic title with a small street food from China? Yeah. <laughs> Those natural bedfellows. Yeah, Lord Dim Sim or something. Now, the reason why he, he did this whole thing of seceding at one point was because local law in Connecticut wouldn't allow him to build a wind turbine. He's kind of an inventor-type person and he wanted to have this big wind turbine. He's pro-renewable energy. Yeah, pro-renewable yeah. Donald Trump right. would hate that. He hates mm, wind yeah. turbines. What do you think of seceding over a wind turbine? Is that a good enough reason to start a micronation just to have a wind turbine? Well, I know Joe Hockey always hated <laughs> wind turbines and probably would have, you know, seceded from Australia. It might mean you didn't have to live in the same country as Joe Hockey. That's yeah, that's, right. that's an incentive. Yeah, but, well, if it's, it's, so it's a political act, is it? Was, yeah. he, was he so pro-green energy that he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah no, well, I'm, I'm cat's pyjamas. I think that that is the first sensible reason I've heard of the the ones we've discussed so far. He actually signed a, a non-aggression pact with President George H. W. Bush uh, at the time. It was obviously <laughs> done in jest, but I can't. Oh, was this like at the time idea. Bush was and, and his administration basically bombing everyone, just picking yeah, wars right. with Iran, Iraq, and everything. So just to be sure. Can, can you <laughs> yeah. promise me you're not going to attack Dumpling Island or whatever it's called? No, he probably was like, you know, the military's really stretched with the war in the Gulf. We just don't need to take on North Dumpling. Yeah. <laughs> well, you come on, Lord Dumpling, just let, let's be friends. Yeah. I mean, right. but knowing, knowing the Bushes, they probably also channeled a whole lot of cocaine and arms through there to get to Iran or something. Well, obviously they got the oil out of there. Yeah. Um, the official vehicle, as I mentioned, is the Segway. What do you think of that? Do we need more nations where you can only get around by Segway? It's better transport than, than we seem to have in Australia. It's it's fantastic. Cat's pyjamas. Well, I can see it's useful too on an island the size of North Dumpling Island. Like you, they probably don't need high-speed rail. <laughs> yeah, um, it's true. They don't need a bullet train. But, yeah, uh, I, I, if I misremembered a story, because remember, if this is the same guy, <laughs> if Lord Dumpling was the inventor of the Segway or just the, the owner of the company that funded <laughs> He's it? He's the inventor. He's not the one who died falling off the cliff Oh, the that, that's where I was heading. That was another I always guy. thought oh, there was this fabulous sort of dramatic irony story where the inventor <laughs> of the Segway did die by Segway. But, so this isn't Lord Dumpling. No, no, Lord Dumpling's still going. Right. 
Dom, are you checking your phone mm. during this podcast? I want to check if um if I'm right. Yeah, it was the the um uh, Jimmy Hesselden bought Segway in 2010, and it was a bad decision because he fell off a cliff on his Segway. <laughs> I should have started a micro nation. That would have been any, a more sane move. Have any of you been on a Segway? I have never been on a Segway. No, Looks I've fun. Never, never I've been I, on one. Have I, you done it, Chris? I have um, a few times, almost always in the name of uh, silly comedy. I think we did a sketch on one of the chases programs, which I think you wrote, Andrew, that, that for yes, a Segway, like instead of the Grand Prix with fast Formula One cars, it was That's a right. Segway 5000 or something. And a Space yeah. Hopper one Things as well, that yeah. famously <laughs> only go at about 18 k's an hour. And and then again on another show called Plonk, I had to go around on one. They are amazingly fun and amazingly easy to use and you kind of, you can't go on one without getting off it and going, why didn't they take off? Because I know you see them around city tours now. Like yeah, they're sort of a novelty thing. You can do a city tour of, I think, well, most cities now on AC, yes. way, including Sydney. Um, but it's, yeah, they're really easy and it, clean it, and it's sort of baffling that they didn't take isn't off. Isn't it because it's much healthier to walk? And that essentially <laughs> there was no need for... Like, but you could use that like, argument against cars. Like, I mean... No, because cars are much faster than walking. Oh, well, segways yeah, are faster segway. than walking too. Are they? What about running? Can you keep up with... They're about on par with running, I reckon. And my final mm. fact for you about North Dumpling Island is that um, uh, two men served as ministers of ice cream on uh, <laughs> North Dumpling. Their names mm. were Ben and Jerry. Andrew, I know that these guys are heroes of yours. Is that yeah. cat's pyjamas or cat's piss to you? Oh, that's absolutely cat's pyjamas. No, that, that's why I, I have a fond feeling about this because I'm a huge fan of, of Ben and Jerry and all of their uh, very sugary, fatty work. And I think we we need a minister for ice cream in here in Australia too. I'm disgusted that we don't have one. I mean, we've got ridiculous things like ministers for the environment and women. It's high time we employed them as ministers for ice cream. Although in the classic Australian tradition you know, where we always make the Minister for Women a man. I think it was Tony Abbott for a while, wasn't it? Would mm. we? Would we? Would the Minister for Ice Cream in Australia be someone <laughs> lactose intolerant? <laughs> yeah, it's all really thin. Oh, it's <laughs> it's going to be Tony vegan. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, if they did take, uh, you know, ice cream-based policies to the next election, like if a party was bold enough to do yeah. that, I think that that would be more relatable than most of their policies. I, I think, you know, if... You know how they made the Cornettos a lot smaller like, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the beginning of last Make year? Make that an election mm. issue. And just go, well, mm. no, no, we're going to ban small Cornettos. Yeah. Yeah. Or we mm. promise, you know, yeah. supersize We're going to bring back the chocolate bit that used to be at the bottom of the pieces. Oh, is that not there anymore? Ones, and they don't have them anymore. That's outrageous. We, yeah. But what about a, like a 1,000 bonus for all Australians just to spend on ice cream? Yes. Every year? Yeah. Like, yeah. Instead of a baby bonus, like, yeah, a fatty bonus. Regardless of what... Any other policy a party had, whether mm. it was to lock every child up in detention, yeah. whether to raise the entire forestry of Australia. <laughs> Who cares? If, if they promised a thousand bucks for ice cream, I reckon you're getting elected. I love that um, just having Ben or Jerry wasn't enough. They needed two ministers for ice cream on, <laughs> on the North Tumbling Island. Let's move on to another uh, spot in the US. And this is a really interesting story. In 1982, Let's start by thinking of the map of America. You know how Florida has the Florida Keys? They kind of yes. it's a it's a chain of islands that kind of strands off. It's like a long um, string of islands just heading off 
to the southwest at the bottom of Florida. It's like the tail of a manta ray. Or yeah, something. it goes it, for quite a long way. There's a highway that goes all the way along, just the one road in and out, and there's lots of flooding that goes on and so on. But anyway, in 1982, to try and stop drug smuggling, the US Border Patrol set up an inspection point on the road between the Florida Keys and the mainland. As a result, visitors dropped way down and there were long traffic jams. So the mayor of Key West, which is quite a big town really, mm. um, concluded that it was a border station and decided to declare full-blown independence and founded the Conch Republic. And as part of this, um, he then, as part of the protest, he then declared war on the United States, surrendered one minute later, and then applied (laughs) for a billion dollars in foreign aid. And the stunt made huge headlines around the US and basically got a lot of attention. They moved the inspection point. But the term the Contra Republic keeps being used and they keep uh, basically keep the idea alive. So it's, it hasn't officially decided to be a micronation after that. But what a brilliant idea. So what was the point of declaring war and then conceding defeat? <clears throat> Well, because they wanted to get a billion dollars of foreign aid. I, don't, I think that the whole thing was just a bit of a joke. But hostilities actually broke out <laughs> later on in 1995. The US Army Reserve um, had a training exercise in Key West simulating uh, an invasion on foreign soil, presumably as part of the joke. And the Contra public retaliated by declaring war again, blasting water from fireboats and throwing stale loaves of bread at the troops. What do you think of stale loaves of bread as a munition? Is that a sensible way to repel invaders. Well, if they're gluten-free, it's brilliant. Like if, they, like if it's... I know so many people who are watching their carbs these days that it's probably they're more scared of bread than they would be of actual bullets. So that's I think that's, that's cat's pyjamas. Yeah, no, look, I d- completely disagree. I think that the one thing that, you know, American troops need is more fibre. <laughs> and if you're supplying them with fibre, then, I mean, in a war of attrition, you've got to think long term. You if you're giving away all your bread supplies... It'd be a brilliant strategy against France, who, who obviously take their bread very seriously. <laughs> if, if, if you give a Frenchman stale bread, yeah. they'll be <laughs> really, really <laughs> furious. Well, that's, that, is, that was actually one of the things they found out about uh, the Blitzkrieg. That wasn't actually... That was mainly to do with uh, bread-based products. The, the, the reason why they got through into France so quickly right. in 39. Yeah, so it right. should have been called yeah. a baguette's creek. It was a baguette's creek, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So this is not a silly was, idea, that was, if you want to really get up the French's nose, yeah. wave a stale baguette in there. Absolutely. Place. If you're ever inv- yeah. in, invaded by a flock of ducks, it's just mm. perfect. <laughs> um, so what do you think about this war? Only one minute and they folded. Should they have kept the war going for longer? Oh, I think it's cat's pyjama. What I love about this is it's so American. Like compared to the sort of lame Australian hut river thing, where it, it, what did he do? He sued the government for a few million dollars. Whereas the American version is <laughs> to declare war and then sue them for a billion dollars. Like you know, it's it's big thinking. This is fantastic. I assume he didn't get his billion. I don't actually. know. he got his his way on the on the border station. So he right. eventually. He basically solved the problem. I mean, his town was getting choked. Tourism was way down and they had huge traffic trams. So there's one road in and out of this place. I, do, I just love the solution wasn't to build another lane in the road or like, or like <laughs> no. a dual carriageway or something. He just yeah. thought, oh, no, I need a new, whole new country. <laughs> yeah. I you need to declare was... war against the other country and then ask for a billion dollars, which <laughs> I won't right? spend on widening the road. <laughs> All traffic problems should be solved this way, shouldn't they? I mean, yeah. By declaring war. <laughs> Can we, we, could we solve Punt Road in Melbourne oh, just by <laughs> declaring a principality down there? It's quite a big city. It's a city of about 20,000 people. So it was a pretty major 
event going on, this little declaration of war, and I gather he became look, a legend. America hasn't had that many military victories in the last sort of 40 or 50 years. Like, if I had any. you'd have to say odds on. If you declare war against America, mm. you might actually win. Like That's I true. Did, I think it was mm. Cat's piece giving up so soon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because they would have. America would have got mired in a long yes. war. They would have like they would have declared yeah. mission accomplished very yeah. early, but like years later, it'd still be going. But also, and Oliver Stone would be making films about this war, and they would have invaded the wrong country. Because yes. you know, like when Afghan when nine eleven happened, they invaded Iraq, not Afghanistan. All right, so I've got another one in America here. It's called Molossia. And this is quite a lovely story, mm. actually. Melosia is the name of Donald Trump's wife? No, it's <laughs> Melania. Yeah, another another foreign national. Um, uh, now this <laughs> is a couple of kids who started a, a childhood micronation called the Grand Republic of Voldstein. They started it in 1977, but they've kept it going. It kind of evolved over the years. And uh, Molossia today, it's two pieces of land in Dayton, Nevada, about 6.3 square acres. They've got their own postal service. And space program, and the thing I love most about this <laughs> micronation is uh, their currency. The two that, essential services. Yeah. We need a post office and a, and a space program. <laughs> so they, well, the space program, let's talk about that. They've claimed a 50,000 square mile parcel on Neptune as part of their uh, space activity. <laughs> right, do they I spend much time there? I don't know if they've actually managed to um, have like, a rocket going up, but I, 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 I like the ambit claim. I do like that, and I don't know if you guys have been to Nevada, but Neptune would be a lot more <laughs> habitable. <laughs> <than> <laughs> <that. Yeah. laughs> so I understand their thinking. But another thing that they've done that I find very endearing, uh, this is probably my favourite micronation, is that they have tied their currency to the price of cookie dough. Um, wow, it, is, it is called the Valora, which uh, splits into 100 <laughs> futris, and, uh, yeah, Pillsbury cookie dough is the <gasps> currency and they actually make – they have a bank full of cookie dough, a huge uh, bank building, and they actually make coins in that bank. What do you well, think? Out of, of cookie, out, out of cookie – are the coins cookie, made of cookie dough? I, I don't quite know how. I think the cookie dough is the, is the reserve, like yeah. the, the gold bars, and then they use gambling chips as coins. No, gambling no. Chips. No, I, I did a, an economics degree at uni and I can tell you this is – Bad idea. This, you never link. This is just yeah. never link the your, your cash, current. your currency uh, to edible items. To an edible to, item, something yeah. with a use or, by or, date. or if you yeah. do, yeah. don't make Joe Hockey the treasurer because you know <laughs> be, yeah, the reserves be, will be gone very very quickly. Run on the bank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with that, all these fundraising schemes, like one of the people here, they're. They're constantly bringing in chocolates for the kids. Don't the kids eat all of the caramel koalas they're supposed to be selling and then the parents have to pay for them? Isn't that a good way to raise revenues? Well, I can see the sort mm. of logic to it. The problem is that just a lot of people would be eating money. I mean, it's you'd imagine, you know, those mm. gold mm. chocolate coins. That yeah, that's true. That have as a tra- if, if they were actually your currency... I mean, would you trust yourself to save? There'd be a run you, on the currency at Christmas time, wouldn't there? It'd just be like eating money like nobody's you business, think, wouldn't you? You think it's because somebody mistook the word dough? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's a pun, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Well, yeah. you should get a Molossian passport but for that. I presume what it does is it maintains the value of the currency because if everyone's eating it, then you, yeah, can, a, you can actually scarcity. bake more um, without causing inflationary pressures. Mm. Now, yeah. other things about Molossia, they claim... How, how, how do you withdraw from an AT? Like, is, <laughs> is it just an oven it's beside an oven. the yeah. bank? It's, well, oven. Yeah. it's dough. It's dough. There's no ovens involved. In fact, presumably... Oh, if so, the, yeah, if right. The, yeah. If the place burnt down, you'd, you'd have actual cookies, mm. though. That'd, very that'd, that'd, that might be. It would smell very good, Well, that's it? a hazard, isn't it? Everyone would be burning down the banks. Surely there's diplomatic relations. Cookies. There must be diplomatic relations with the 
the uh, ministers for ice cream at, uh, at North Dumpling <laughs> How Island. How do you tip a stripper? Like, can you, can you put dough in someone's garter <laughs> yeah. without it sort of leaving a well, doughy mess? It's a hygiene issue, I think. I've actually been there and, it, and you, your pockets do get very sticky after right. yeah. And if yeah. you walk anywhere near a flame, you suddenly, you know, yeah. hang on, they're getting a bit crumbly now. <laughs> uh, now, Molossia also claims to have 37 inhabitants Including mm. dogs. Is that a valid <laughs> basis to calculate population, cats, pajamas, or cats? Piss. I don't know whether the dogs are actually allowed to be part of government and ministers and so on. <laughs> the, the it dog couldn't get any sillier, though, oh, that if well, they no, were. Like, hey. I'm happy to have a dog in the cabinet. I'm well, happy like, to have a dog as treasurer guarding yeah. the dough. I, no, think, I think that's a very poor. I think a do- putting a dog as the the guard of a massive store of cookie dough <laughs> could, could only <laughs> end badly for the nation's think, finances. But as long as there were no yummy bones, don't dogs prefer I, bones well, to it dough? It depends what type was, of dog. Was I mean, that Labrador, only in cartoons? A Labrador would would eat up any old thing, you know. <laughs> I think I think if they don't get the vote, there should be a suffrage movement for dogs. You know, because mm. if they're counted as the population, oh. they're sort of half citizens. Well, yeah, and they've got responsibilities. They probably have to pay tax. Yes. They've got to work. They, I mean, are there any dogs on welfare in this place? Finally, let's go to a micronation in Europe. This is one that's probably been the most successful in many ways oh. over the years. It's called Freetown Christiana. It's, uh, it was founded in 1971 oh, on an abandoned military... Have you? With Andrew Hansen. A military base in Copenhagen. Yeah. And it's actually, it's, a, it's sort of like a suburb that's treated as a separate legal entity. And, uh, in fact, they sell drugs openly in the streets. There's Pusher Street, it's called. It's called, and there's a, it's famous kind of like as a, as a commune. There's mm. lots of brightly coloured walls and buildings, but no cars at all uh, in Freetown, Christiana. What did you make of the place? Yeah, well, Andrew Hansen and I visited Copenhagen together, Copenhagen, uh, and we visited Christiana. It, I didn't get the sense I was going to a new country. Did you, Andrew? I, th- I thought it was just like the hippie bohemian sort of squatters district. It is that. Uh, yeah. what, what is otherwise known in Europe as Berlin. Yeah. Uh, but it was it, it was a sort of kind of a nimbin vibe about the place. Um, but I have subsequently read quite a bit about it and it's got a very colourful history, but I didn't know it was its own nation. That's fascinating. Well, they're certainly treated as such, but they've actually been allowed to secede somewhat under... Uh, Danish law. It's kind of a complicated uh, story of how that all happened, but it is treated effectively as its own self-governing nation. I want to know, and perhaps you can answer this having been there, is how do you feel about a, a nation full of the kind of people who do yoga? It's very big in this place. <laughs> is that cat's pyjamas or cat's piss? You'd call it Yugoslavia. Um, oh, God. It, it, um, well, I certainly wouldn't move there. I, I can't get my head around that at all. But no, I, I, I my other, only other stat about Christiana, which is a very recent development, is that the world's most respected restaurant, uh, Noma, which I've oh, yeah. heard of, it's often named number one in the world in that San Pellegrino 50 top list, is based in Christiana. Like it's actually moved digs recently to oh, be Oh, is that this. now in there? It is. is. That, now, by the way, I, we learned when we were there, it's actually, it, they, they pronounce it Christiania. Yeah, it's, it is called Christiania. But I can't, but that, so that restaurant, can any of the Christianians like afford, afford to, to eat there? there. Well, they, I, I sort of got the impression that they're all hippies. Well, may, maybe because everyone says it's, it's Danish, maybe they should change it. It's Christianian now from now on. Yeah, look, it's um, it's not big. It was kind of yeah, like a, few yeah a few streets. Yeah, a few streets of this kind of ramshackle, hmm. multicoloured, kind of cool, funky-looking sort of houses. You know? Eight hundred and fifty people in there, and um, and it's fascinating to, that it's an old military base too. And there were ex- actually executions on the site 
uh, once upon a time. But the the thing that's most interesting is the history of Pusher Street. So if you, if you think back to The Wire, it's kind of like Hamsterdam in that series, yes. this area where drugs can be sold legally and, and people go there to buy a pot all the time. But it's actually led to problems. There have been armed attacks. Um, people have actually died in fights over the drug market in, in Pusher Street. And at one point, a biker gang called Bullshit attempted to <laughs> infiltrate the Pusher, the Pusher Street <laughs> weed market. So having heard all that, what do you think of having a drug street? I mean, we used to have them in Australian cities. They've been shut down a bit recently. Catch for or Cat's Piss having a Pusher Street in uh, just every city around the world. Oh, well, I think that's inevitable. I don't know if that's a pyjama or piss thing. That's just that, that's going to happen. I do think it's cat's pyjamas, though, to have a bikey gang called Bullshit. I just wonder, <laughs> would, they all, would they all tattoo the name of their gang yeah. prominently on their chest? Would across their chest, Bullshit Forever. Bullshit Forever. That yeah, should be in Latin. What, what's the Latin or the Esperanto for <laughs> Bullshit? But do you think maybe they didn't know, they spoke Danish and they didn't know oh. what Bullshit meant? Maybe they it was a respected term. Yeah, they huh? thought, it was, oh, this is an interesting-looking, English, you know, Maybe. word. Unlikely, because the other thing I learned when, when we were in Denmark was that they speak English so much better than any English-speaking country, <laughs> so they probably came up with the term. <laughs> the, the, the extraordinary thing about Christiania is that, like, Denmark is already the most liberal country in the world. Like, it's a utopia. <laughs> you know, it always wins. That It's got the best lifestyle. Everyone's incredibly healthy and very well-educated. And it's sort of extraordinary that a, per- a place that perfect had to create a utopia, utopia within a utopia just mm. to push drugs. Um, <laughs> like, I would have thought <laughs> Denmark's such a utopia, there's already just free drugs for everyone once you turn 16 or something. Yeah. There'd be a government program for that. So I'm surprised <laughs> you have to create a separate suburb to do that in, in laneways. Yeah, it's a bizarre well, thing. Mm. They, they have kept having problems with hard drugs coming in and having to try and get rid of them and so on. Um, but I guess it begs the question, given that it's been quite successful, they've got all these legal rights, should we take over abandoned military bases around the world and turn them into micronations? They're right there sitting there ready to take over. There's, there's some of them in Sydney, sitting the old submarine bases and so on. You want to turn one of those into a pusher street, Dommy? That could be very good, couldn't it? Wouldn't that be fun? Or we'll go and live on a military base? Well, well if, if they're sitting there, I suppose. I mean, are they, do they smell good, these military bases? Do they have, uh, you know, what's, what's there? I've never been to one. Well, I'm sure Pusher Street smells like a particular substance. <laughs> I just love Dommy pushing hard to have more drug suburbs in Australia. <laughs> Dommy's the least druggy person I know, but I love that you're getting on board with the Bohemia. Well, I'm just asking Cash for Dummies or Cats. No, I understand. I, I can't speak for other cities, but it's always sort of slightly surprised and kind of annoyed me that military have the best real estate in they Sydney. They do. Garden like, Island in Sydney particularly. Garden Island in, on the harbour front in Sydney. If you go to sort of Balmoral and Mossman where all the old military bases are, it's like extraordinary land. Now, I'm not wearing my developer's hat here and saying it should be given over to apartments, but I did always wonder why people training to kill people in other countries needed harbour views. We could take Fort Denison, couldn't we? Just the five of us on a speedboat. <laughs> Go there late at night. Oh, oh, we could oh, take Fort that Denison, over. Yeah. Or as I call it, Lord Dumpling Island. <laughs> <laughs> but this leads to the final question, really. Um, all that we've said about micronations, the idea of just grabbing a flag, getting a patch of soil and just planting it and saying, this is my territory. Some of these people have managed to get quite a lot of legal rights. They've passed it on to their children and so on. Are you tempted by the idea of having your own micronation, cat's pyjamas or cat's piss? Oh, it's cat's piss. Like, because the whole thing is, it would be the paperwork. Like, every <laughs> time, every 
story that you've heard? It involves legal battles or declaring war. Or Making passports would be quite make, complicated. Oh, the admin involved in running a nation. Uh, no, like I think I'll just um, stick with doing the BAS, thanks. Yeah, no, I, I think cat's piss for me, yes. It's, um, well, I, yeah, I'm worried about the lack of credibility, which I know is not a worry that's been in any other part of my career. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think if you're not happy with the country you're in, there's easier solutions, such as moving to New Zealand. Well, look, when you can't live in a country as pissy as, Austra- as Australia internationally, I suppose you don't want to downs- downsize even further. How about you, Hanso? Look, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, you know, cat's piss. I, I can barely... Uh, sort of run my own email inbox, let, let alone an entire country. Uh, it, it just exhausts me, the thought of it. And and uh, and where would you put it too? I mean, I, I'm not quite sure where I'd even set up because um, it's going to be cold, It's gonna, the weather's not going to be right, you get, you're going to, you know, you move to a new place and you really, you need to live there for a few years before you realise that there's all these problems. Um, so if you start a country there and then think, oh, hang on, I should never have bought this patch of land. It's bloody smells coming from the north, and you know it gets mosquitoes in the southern bit. You can't, you can't up and move. Well, I've got to say, I'm quite disappointed by your attitude because what you're not factoring in is the dream, is the freedom, and above all, the prospect of having your very own national anthem sung by John English. Let's go out on the official anthem of the Hutt River Principality in WA, as sung by John English. And rated by our panel four out of five micronations. Please stand and put your hand on your heart. And thank you for joining us on Cat's Pajamas or Cat's Piss. Cat's Pajamas or Cat's Piss with The Chaser was written and presented by The Chaser. Created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia, producer Alex Mitchell, sound production by Darcy Thompson and Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or search Cat's Pajamas on Apple Podcasts.